Uh, I'm just going to pray. Father, we thank you for that wonderful testimony of obedience to you from Mel. We thank you that we have such wonderful uh, young people in our church, Lord, who are willing to step into the unknown and willing to go through times of hardship, times of um, emotional stress and maybe physical stress as well to do what they believe you've called them to do. And I pray that as we look at this first S of bless, serve, that we will know what your heart is for each one of us. Because you have things that we can all do. Thank you, Lord. I pray that you would um, bless everyone here with uh, what you want to say to them. Take away anything that is irrelevant, Lord. Amen. So, um, I'm quite sure that you're as astounded as I am at what uh, Mel has shared in her maturity and strength of purpose and faith. And I'll be tapping into some aspects that stood out to me as I watched that. Um, So we are on to um, serve. Okay, but before we actually um, look at serve, we're going to recap um, what we have looked at already. I hope you've enjoyed and been as impacted as I have about this very practical book, uh, this message uh, that's been brought to us from, uh, or messages from this book, Bless. I found it to be a really practical, um, down-to-earth series that has helped me enormously in reappraising and starting again with some of the things that I know I should be doing. And um, I also want to say that um, as a bit of personal testimony, many years ago, I was actually weeding outside our house. Um, I was actually in in our street. Um, Those of you who know where we live know that we live at the end of a cul-de-sac, the bottom of a cul-de-sac, should I say. Um, Martin finds it a little bit amusing that I get a bit excited if there's too much of a build-up of uh, soil and weeds down just by our drive because there's also a drain there and I get concerned that if there's too much rubbish that goes into the drain, weeds and stones and occasionally bits of litter that people have left, that um, we're going to be the ones that cop it because the drain will block and the water will come up, etc, etc. So, Quite a few years ago, I was uh, doing an annual job of getting rid of the weeds and bits and pieces. And um, I was sitting there um, reading and praying to God that I would have better relationships with our neighbours. Because um, they weren't bad. We didn't fall out with our neighbours. At the same time, I didn't really know uh, very much about them. Uh, I didn't have a very close relationship with any of them. And um, I sat there praying, and within half an hour, a lady from across the way came over to speak to me, to say, um, would we be interested in going to um, Quiznai at Ramsden um, Heath Village Hall with them? Um, And we did that, didn't we, Martin? We did that 
for quite a number of years off and on. And I have to say, I felt sad that we hadn't progressed the relationship any further. But it just showed to me what happens when you pray. I asked for an opportunity to get closer to neighbours, and we did. It didn't progress to inviting them to come to um, our church or things uh, in a, of a deeper nature, if you like. But it was an answer to prayer. So I know from many years ago, this definitely does work. When you pray for openings, you get them. So, beginning with prayer, we've looked at that, haven't we? We've looked at listening to people who God puts in your way, who sends over to you. Um, We've talked about eating with people or having a cup of coffee with them just to deepen that um, sense of relationship and being with them. And now we come to service. We can, we can talk, um, we've listened to what Mel has had to say um, about the way she got over to Kenya. Um, and obviously we, well maybe Nigel, Nigel's perhaps young enough to perhaps consider going abroad. Or, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I hope I'm not doing anyone a disservice but I think the majority of us here aren't going to be looking uh, to go abroad and serve because that's the way we tend to think about serving isn't it it's going off somewhere whereas what we're being encouraged to do by these people is to be where we are and look for opportunities is not at all to belittle what Mel has done because there are many aspects of what she did which tap into what they are saying. So she most definitely began with prayer. I don't imagine that she um, just decided one day, I'm off to Kenya, went to book a ticket, got on the plane and went. And she mentions the many contacts that she had at home, the people who checked in on her. So she got herself a prayer network going around her when she went off on this adventure, as she termed it. Um, It meant that she was able to cope with unexpected changes. So when she got there, she wasn't going to be doing the job she thought she would do. I'm sure that because of her prayer that she invested in before she went and whilst she was there. Um, Did she listen to people? You could see from the the pictures and videos that she has shared with us that she was part of that team, wasn't she? She, Those children loved her to bits. She was happy with them. They were happy with her. And she was listening to their needs. Did she eat with them? Yes. Apparently the food that she thought that was going to be a barrier to her uh, adventure wasn't the thing that was a, a problem at all. And through listening to God before she even went and then listening to what the children were saying to her, she picked up on the fact that they were lacking self-worth. We want your hair. 
We want your skin colour. She could see that they needed to understand how wonderful they were in their own skin, with their own hair. And she was determined to teach them of their own worth um, through the song that uh, she adapted. Uh, Wasn't it a joy to see those children jumping up and down and shouting about who they were um, at the end of the stay at the first place she was at? Um, And it, it was telling to me that she was content to see the difference in the small things. She'd gone out with with this idea of of wanting to see something totally accomplished, but realised that that wasn't going to be the case. That she was was content with what she was able to do. The little relationship that she established, or the big relationship, as we could see. And maybe, looking back, I should be content that we deepened a relationship with one set of neighbours, even if it didn't go as far as I would have loved it to have gone. So, serve is what we're looking at. Oh, that's a bit small, isn't it? I hope, I'm going to read this out. Hopefully you can see it too. It's a bit bigger on this screen, isn't it, than the one I'm looking at over there. So, We're going to look at a couple of points uh, only. I'll try and be uh, quicker from now on. Talking about serving and what we can draw out of a couple of aspects of what we know about Jesus. First of all, um, the book um, alludes to to Jesus' healing of the deaf man in Mark 7, verses 31 to 37. Let's read this out. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of Decapolis. There was there some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears, Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh he said, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed and amazed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And Dave and John Ferguson um, point out the three P's from this story. First of all, proximity. Jesus served those he was close to. He went to a certain place, um, and this is, again, in no way to to belittle what people like Mel have done. She was called out to a certain place, and she served the people there. She served the people who were in close proximity to her. And um, here we have Jesus 
serving the deaf man, who a deaf mute man, uh, who is right in front of him, who is brought to him. And um, again, uh, I think of examples within our own church setting where we're serving people who are right in front of us. Uh, I I happen to notice, um, Liz, that um, you have got somebody coming to talk about avoiding scams at sunny days. I'm thinking how apt is that, how good an act of service is that because that's exactly the sort of thing that people need it's having those sort of prompts isn't it um, which mean that we're, we're serving in such um, an apt way something which is pertinent to those who are in front of us um, and then we go to the second P personally Jesus didn't actually perform this miracle right in front of people. He took the man aside. What's suggested is that he took the man aside to show him dignity, to help him not feel silly if he was burbling and making funny noises. He'd had that all his life, hadn't he, probably? Maybe he hadn't said a word. Maybe what he had said was unintelligible. Maybe people laughed at him. And here's Jesus showing love for this man in taking him aside and not making a spectacle of him. And we need to show people the dignity they deserve in their situations. Thirdly, Jesus looked to heaven and he accessed God's power. Jesus said that he did what the Father told him to do. In John 14:31, I do exactly as the Father has commanded me and act in full agreement with him. We learned, didn't we? We were reminded uh, when we looked at to begin with prayer aspect, what a model Jesus was of coming to his father in prayer before he did anything. And um, that communion between Jesus and the father is such a model. I believe very few of us can say we think we've got it right in terms of the amount of time we spend with God in prayer, to bathe our days in his purposes, to know his power for all that we do. And what's more is in John fourteen twelve, he says, to the disciples, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So we have that access to a powerful God. So in terms of our service, this is a standout quote for me from the the, um, chapter that we're looking at at the minute. Serving is an as-you-go sort of activity. 
It's about a posture of willingness that stands ready to grab an apron when the opportunity presents itself. And in the book, um, there's an example uh, of the Ferguson's grandmother. And it made me uh, think of a a more pertinent example to me, which I'll uh, come on to in a moment. But apparently um, they they have a grandma, Nellie, um, Aka Gigi, to her grandkids. And um, Gigi, an 85-year-old grandmother, um, found out that a neighbour across the road, um, whose health was in serious decline, couldn't clip her own toenails. So she decided that that was what God was calling her to do to offer to clip the lady across the road's toenails once a week because she couldn't do it herself. She was actually too large to even reach her feet. Um, And that is a a very humbling story, isn't it? And it reminds me of my own mother um, who used to do the same for my Aunt Bessie. She wasn't really my aunt, she was a second cousin. Aunt Bessie and her sister had been orphaned uh, through Spanish flu, actually. And Aunt Bessie um, and her sister had lived uh, with relatives, um, probably about a mile and a half away from uh, where I used to live. And um, life went on and and Aunt Bessie was the the sole survivor of a of the family, and she still lived in this, uh, what could you say, it was a converted um, farm building, actually. It had um, a standpipe for water. It had a couple of light bulbs and not a lot else. A very nice range with a coal fire and, and things. But she was um, a, a very singular woman, um, and she used to be, I imagine, it, 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 do you know... Um, uh, St Mary Mead, where Miss Marple did all her exploits. That's, she was that sort of person who would be a bit of a gossip, to be frank. Uh, she would be going around walking everywhere and knowing everybody's business. Um, she wasn't a nasty woman, she was just a little bit muddled. Um, and she would toddle down to um, my mum's, mum and dad's place um, uh, very often. Um, and in particular, she would come down to my mother to get her, her, her feet looked at. And um, I would sometimes see her walking down the road. We lived in the countryside and um, I, we had a, a dormer bungalow. I would go upstairs sometimes just to be by myself. Occasionally I would see Aunt Bessie totting down the road. Um, and she was a bit of a barrel of a woman too. And she probably couldn't see her own feet to cut her toenails either. So... Um, what amazed me was that whilst my mum might moan a bit if I said, Aunt Bessie's on the way, mum, she would say, oh, bother, I've got to get the dinner ready and now I'm going to have to spend half an hour talking to Aunt Bessie. She never, ever moaned if it was an occasion where Aunt Bessie said, Nancy, really can't walk on these feet anymore. Can you do my toes for me? And as, as I don't know what I was then, teenager, I used to think, oh, that's gross. Really? Why doesn't she go and do a proper chiropodist and get it done? 
Well, of course, my mother would never moan. She was a very humble, serving sort of person. And it did leave its mark on me, fortunately, that, you know, when something presents itself to us, we, we can't quibble about whether we feel up to it or not. It's for us to respond to what we're being asked to do. So, from toes, we, uh, we move on. Okay. So, uh, I did, I'm going to skip over that, actually. We're going to look at uh, this model that we have in Jesus for serving, our supreme model. In the book, this chapter starts with the truly humbling account of Jesus washing his disciples' feet after his last meal with them. I've left it to the end because we're shortly going to be led into communion by um, Keith. And I felt that it was more fitting for us to look at it at the end. We have already had the Last Supper mentioned as an example of Jesus eating with people, haven't we? And um, let's just have a look at this passage here, John 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel round his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and washed their feet. I'm putting the words there that I can't quite see, but we know that is what he does. It was clearly an emotional time for Jesus having this last meal with his disciples. And this act is called a world-changing shift by the Fergusons. Turning the idea that if you want to be blessed, look out for yourself before anyone else on its head. Jesus is God in the flesh, the maker and sustainer of everything, the King of kings and Lord of lords, at the very least a highly respected teacher and rabbi. And he chooses to do what was, by our standards, and certainly by first century standards, a truly humbling, dirty job. He exchanged his crown for an apron. And when he is told by Simon Peter, you cannot do that, Jesus says, unless I wash you, you can have no part with me. And he does this to show how we are to be with one another. Wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. 
He knew his position and power, but he chose to serve. And he emphasised the spiritual rightness of us doing the same. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So what crowns do we need to put down in order to serve? Time, pride, convenience. I'm sure that we all have the best intentions. Let's not get caught up in, this is too much for us to do, I don't have any grand ideas, I'm only such and such a person. One of the lines in the last song that we sang before um, we listened to what and saw what Mel uh, was sharing was, fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. And I think that's very appetite for us, isn't it? That's what we want We want to be filled with his heart, to be led by his love to those around us, whether it's in our street, whether it's sitting in a cafe and, as we heard last week, going over to share our coffee, tea, breakfast with somebody who's sitting alone. Let's not be shy of stepping into the small things and as Mel said, seeing the difference, differences in the small things, another thing she said was being stuck into wherever I need to go and being available. Those are the, the things that we can all make ourselves available to. And let's remember our servant king who made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Amen.